0: To sip Zip hooray the podcast where wine is always fun and approachable and where you meet some of the most interesting people and today's show is no exception our show is hosted by two
1: marys i'm one of them i'm mary babbitt and i'm the other mary mary orlin and we um, have a fierce winemaker with us today and she's not just fierce in the winery, she is fierce on the athletic field and in competition. I'm talking about Margot Alvarez, who recently won the Western Regional title during the Titan Games, conquering Mount Olympus. And we are super excited to have Margot joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We are so excited to get to know you, Margo. And
0: I mean, your story is unlike anyone we've ever interviewed before. So we need you to kind of give us the lowdown. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what came first, the working out, the fitness or the wine? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, definitely, it, it's tough because I would say, I want to say the fitness was came first, but I was named after Chateau Margaux, which is, um, as you guys know, a very famous region of France. And my parents both love that wine. And so mm-hmm. I feel like I was kind of destined to be in some sort of realm within the winemaking world or wine in general. So I think maybe from birth that was destined for it. So maybe that came first. Um, but I would say after that, the fitness became a huge part of my life ever since I was young. Um, growing up with two of my sisters in Montana, my parents encouraged us to be active and be involved in sports. I did anything from taekwondo to horseback riding to ballet to golf, um, just a little bit of everything. And it's something that I love that they encouraged and promoted at such a young age because I think that put a a good base or good foundation for me as I grew up to kind of figure out what I wanted to do, but knowing that activity and exercise was always gonna be a part of my life. That's awesome. And, and you know. But there, there must
1: be a drive within that you took it, you know, further than most of us do with our fitness and really got into the um,
2: weightlifting world, the um, CrossFit world. Can you talk about how that happened? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I, I've always, like I said, I've always wanted to be active and I've always found myself kind of pulling towards challenging situations or putting myself in positions that maybe I don't know how to do something. Uh, and I I graduated university in Hawaii um, and I did things to stay active over there. I did outrigger canoe paddling, did a lot of running and just working out in the gym. And when I moved to the Bay area um, I had some friends that kind of talked about CrossFit and I kind of pushed it off for a while. Cause I loved the like MMA. I loved a little bit of the martial arts. And so I thought about getting back into that, but CrossFit for some reason kept coming around in conversation with friends. And so I eventually decided to try it in 2011 and I just fell in love with it. And I, I fell in love with two components. One was the community. I love the community that it was built upon. Everyone was so supportive and uplifting and encouraging. Didn't matter if you were just starting or you've been involved in the sport for years. And I that was something that really drew me in. And then the second aspect was that didn't, it didn't only physically challenge you, but also mentally challenge you and see to see how far you could push yourself and kind of push yourself to the brink of like, what else am I capable of? And I think that is huge because I feel like that has um, a vibration that can carry into any aspects, not only in training and in sport, but also life, business, career, et cetera. And I think um, that those are the two kind of components that really pulled me in. And I was, they call it like the Kool-Aid drinking CrossFit. That's where I kind of fell down the rabbit hole and just threw myself into training and learning to become a coach. It's
1: <laughs> <That's
2: the, laughs> Kool-Aid drinking,
1: not wine drinking. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. different things. <laughs> It's probably like
0: Gatorade drinking.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, what about the Titan Games? How did that come about? Yeah, so it was, I think um, it was cool to kind of look back and see how it transitioned. But uh, I had applied actually the the staff and the recruiting or producers that worked on American Ninja Warrior. They would reached out to me in end of 2018. And asked if I'd be interested in doing American Ninja Warrior. And I was like, man, this would be a really cool opportunity to challenge myself again, put myself in an environment that I'm not familiar with. And so I applied. uh, I got accepted. I got to go down and compete in the early 2019. I think it was March of 19 um, that I got to go down and do that in L.A. And that was a really cool experience. Uh, fast forward a few months into the fall of 2019, the same team that was doing the casting was actually reaching out for Titan game casting and they were looking for individuals and asked myself if I'd be interested. And I thought, man, that'd be a little bit more up my alleyway, um, given the odd object, um, training and a little bit more kind of wide variety of things that you might be challenged against. So I applied for that, did a video submission. It was a couple month process to do that, but I got selected for the preliminaries in early 2020 and got to go down to LA and compete against a lot of other athletes. And then I got selected for the show. So uh, it was a really cool opportunity. I'm glad I had the chance to do that. So how does one make the leap from
1: you're doing CrossFit working out to all of a sudden being a competitor in um, these competitions? I mean, because I've done CrossFit, but yeah, it's like nobody's going to come to the gym and say, Hey, we want you to
2: do this. How does that happen? <laughs> I think, um, so I mean, for them, I think they're looking for individuals that are athletically talented, whether whatever sport they're looking in, but they're also looking for your uniqueness as an individual and in your story that's kind of shaped who you are. And I think something that really has been a huge part of my life and who I am is the passing of my sister. Uh, in 2008, my sister passed away in a car accident. And that was Mm -hmm. a very big struggle physically, mentally, emotionally for me. And I think it was something that has definitely shaped who I was at that time, but also has played into kind of where I'm at now. And I think they really wanted to dive into that and how I was able to overcome that challenge. And instead of just maybe going down a not so good place or not so good path, I was able to pull myself up and uplift me. And that was kind of around that time. And that 2008 was when I was finishing university and, you know, making a transition into from college to like kind of starting my own life or starting a career. I think that was a point where I was a little lost and I found solace in exercise. I found solace in working out, especially running. I think it gave me a place to express thoughts or just allow me to think. And I think the Titan games and the producer and the show wanted to, kind of shine a little bit more light on, you know, how I took a tragedy and was able to shape it into something positive where I was able to embody her life and her lifestyle, how she looked at every day as making the most of every life, living with minimal regrets and, you know, trying to make a a positive note in the impact in the community around me.
0: Hmm, That's so nice. What a lovely tribute to her. Thank you. I can totally relate to that, like running to like it. You know, it's such a great place to work things out on the on the trail or on the road. I, I love that. I, I use it for the same reason. That's awesome. So I have to know. So okay, so your fitness journey it's it's a podcast in itself. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, but I really want to know too about the wine. Where did the wine uh, come into all of this for our listeners? Uh, Marco, you are goat wine. Correct. Greatest of all time, <laughs> which I love. So tell us about your wine story. Yeah.
2: So growing up, my parents always talked to us about wines, you know, how to smell the wine, how to, you know, look at the kind of look at the wine, swirl it in the glass. And and obviously that was something they wanted to teach us from a young age, just learn a little bit more about it. And I was always intrigued because it seemed like it was a process. Um and we actually, we started planting some grapes in 2011 in a piece of property. And it was just to, you know, keep the agricultural use of the property, keep the water rights for the property and started planting grapes. And I, one, I love being outdoors. I love nature and I loved kind of like the, the gardening or the the farming aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And so planting the grapes in 2011 and then going back every year and being able to harvest was just a unique process because one, I don't think a lot of people see the time and effort that goes into it. And I loved that. And it, it related a lot to me in the terms of time that I was spending in the gym um, every year, going back to harvest from, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 was kind of the the beginning and the middle of my CrossFit career. I was competing at a high level. And so I, I was, I was kind of seeing the two mirror between winemaking when you plant the vines you crush the grapes you let them sit you let them ferment then eventually press them you let them age in the the stainless steel barrels and just over time it's it's a process it doesn't just take a month it takes years and i think seeing mm-hmm. that parallel the time that i had spent in the gym the months the years the weeks leading up to get better to be a higher level compete, competing athlete i was like man I, I love the two similarities that these had and i wanted to share that with people and it's tough because not really knowing much about like the nitty gritty with the wine industry. I was like, all right, well, if we can blend these two passions together of mine, no pun intended, um, if I can blend this <laughs> and blend the wine and share it with people and say, hey, you know, let me bring you something that I really enjoy and hopefully showcase it to you guys. I didn't know how much work it was going to tell and how much um, uphill battles and climbing you be doing. But I, mm. I, I loved it because it's like, well, if I want to share this, I have to do the work that's going to get into it. So, well, yeah, it sounds like, you know, there's some
1: lots of parallels. You mentioned a few between winemaking, um, the obstacles you might face in winemaking and getting your name out
2: there and also competing on an obstacle course. Definitely. <laughs> there are lots of obstacles. And it's funny because, I mean, at the Titan Games, one of the elements we had to do was pulling a 200, 250 pound stone and For me, it's like, all right, it reminds me of the barrels of grapes that I have to pull in the sand or in Mm. the dirt. And it's like, those don't move very easily. And so uh, (laughs) it's funny thinking of those two. It's like, there's huge parallel there. And I, I, but I think all that work that's put in, there is a reward at the end. There is that celebration of success, even though you're hitting some highs and lows, you know, whether it's standing on top of the podium as the West Regional, or if it's finalizing the production of the wine and being able to open a bottle of wine with friends and family and getting to celebrate that. And that's something that I was able to blend together with our business and the company. Our whole message is work hard, wind down. That working hard could be in the gym, career, school, family. At the end of the day, you wind down with a glass or bottle depending on the type of day it was and who you're with. But it's about celebrating the successes, embracing those struggles and really enjoying the process. Cause we're not guaranteed next week, next month, next year. Uh, And that was something that I really wanted to instill and share with everyone.
0: Nice. And you guys, you are making the wine in Paso Robles or are you making, you're in Vegas? Correct.
2: Yeah. So I I reside in Vegas, but all the winemaking is done in Paso Robles, California. I'm usually there probably at least once a month for work or business trips or whatever I need to do for fulfillment. Um, And so Vegas has been a, a great area. A lot of people obviously think of Vegas and the strip and the gambling, and it definitely has that. Granted, this 2020 was a little different, obviously, and we we're going through some yeah. changes, but uh, it's been a great place to come here and share the wine with everyone. And for the most part, up until last year, Vegas was a destination where over 50 million people would visit. And so our thought was like, all right, let's move to a place where people can try the wine, see our message, and then eventually, you know, they travel back home, they can share it with friends and family, and then hopefully promote the message that we've reverberated with everyone. And, and Vegas is great because it's it's close to Paso Robles, but it's also kind of a hub on the, the West-ish coast where I'm able to connect with people.
0: Yeah, sure. so many restaurants and yeah. the casinos, right?
2: Yeah, and as, as much as it's a big city, it's also a very small community where everyone's connected. Um, a lot of people here are very community-based, which I love. That's something that I've instilled ever since I was little, mm-hmm. wanting to help and give back to the community. And obviously, when I found CrossFit, that kind of... Vibrated even more with me, and then coming to Vegas, it's just it's even more so here with the community wanting to support and uplift other business owners or restaurant owners, um, other people out here that are hustling and working hard to go for their goals and dreams.
1: Sure, and so you mentioned that you planted grapes when you first got started, and um, that was
2: in the so yeah, last leg like, is No, like, so we actually started with um, planting those grapes in Utah. Utah, which is uh, Saint George, which is about two and a half, uh, two to three hours depending on the time change from here, northeast of here, and the climate's very similar to Northern California, um, very similar to Paso Robles. But a lot of people have a stigma with wine from Utah, and it's like, oh, wine from Utah, like, yeah. oh, like what wines come from there? <laughs> so, and that was a, a big thing that we struggled with in the beginning is. Um, having the wines from there we when we started we would harvest the grapes my husband and I would drive and take those grapes to Paso Robles in California that's where we were licensed and so we did that and while we were doing that we were sourcing a small batch of grapes from Paso Robles California as well and through the first couple years we noticed and learned that you know to be able to get the wine from Utah out was very hard there's that huge stigma to break and so instead of trying to kind of Mm -hmm. fight that uphill battle it's like well we'll We'll, we'll have the wine that's already made. We'll continue to sell that, but we'll keep those grapes in Utah, and we'll focus on continuing um, to source wine and grapes from Paso Robles, California, as it's a more common area and more established. Plus, we're licensed in California, and it makes everything a lot more streamlined. Um, it's just my husband and I doing the business, so there's a lot of moving pieces and components that we're constantly trying to juggle um, or tag team to make sure that we can get it all done.
1: Well, sure. I think what people don't realize when um you know, you say you're oh, I'm gonna make wine and wine making is really the easiest part of it is exactly
2: the distribution, all the regulations because they're different from state to state. Hundred percent. You nailed it on the like on the top of the head right there. And I think like you said <laughs> and it's funny when we tell people like, Oh, winemaking is the easy part, they're like, Really? It's like it is. I mean, there are so many resources, there's a lot of wine wine and grapes out there that's available. And once the wine made, how do you get people to try it? You're competing against large brands or companies out there that have tons of shelf space. So you're fighting to get that shelf space. You're fighting to have conversations and discussions with the distributors. And over the years, in the beginning, I would get super excited. I was like, I'm having this conversation with a distributor or this large individual who owns or is a VP. And it was, it was tough because there was a lot of no's, there were a lot of empty, uh, or no returned emails or calls, but I've learned mm-hmm. it's. I mean, you both know it as well. It's very hard. It's very saturated industry. So it's like, you have to kind of be that the, the chain, that train that continues to like, persevere. And I yeah. think that's something that I've just, that mentality that I've had is just to continue to push. And it's like, all right, if something's not mm-hmm. working, let me evolve hopefully. And, um, see if I can, you know, do something different. And I've been able to get the wine, not only into the state of Nevada, but also into the state of Colorado and Montana. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time, but it's something that I know that I, I know that I'll be all worth it at the end. Like I talked about earlier, all that effort that's putting in towards training or the winemaking, it will pay off in the end. It's just sometimes you don't necessarily see that light right away. It might be light at the the tunnel, mm-hmm. tunnel later on results sure. take work man yep, they sure do <laughs> they do
0: they do <laughs> exactly and
2: and being on the titan
1: games must have helped with exposure to your wine yes
2: it was great it was definitely um, a huge boost just being able to have more viewers more people see the wine and then obviously being able to share my story um, one of the most popular wines we have is the goat and that one wasn't really necessarily showcase on there That's when we got into distribution. But the other one they showcased was the one we dedicated to my sister, Chirsten And so being able to tell her story and kind of share the story about herself and what she did, and then being able to dedicate that and share that to her, there was a a lot of interest and a lot of people that had reached out sharing similar stories that they had gone through, whether it was Mm -hmm. their family or their friend's family. And it was, it was a, it was very overwhelming at one point just because the amount of messages I got. I was so grateful for. But it's like, man, like that's something that I. I wanted to be able to do is hopefully share my story and inspire others to not lose faith in, you know, the life that they're living or the the family that they have around them. Mm
0: -hmm. So nice. Hey, this is a bit of a pivot, but I mean, uh, well, a bit, I need to know how it is you like, if, if I drink wine, I'm not going to feel like working out the next day necessarily. I mean, not <laughs> if I go, if I go, back, but like, but how do you balance that where, you know, like I used to say, if I drink anything after eight o'clock, I have ruined my night's sleep and possibly my next day. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that I'm drinking so heavily. It's just that my body doesn't like to process it that well. Right. You know, yeah. so, um, how do you, how do you balance that? How do you figure that, that balance out? Cause you're, you're asking a lot of your body yeah. in CrossFit and, uh, some of the different weight stuff you're doing.
2: Definitely. I've gotten this question, um, a good handful of times through podcasts and interviews. And I think a lot of things, a lot for me at least is finding kind of what works best for your body. And I know when I was competing in drinking wine, uh, my limit was like two glasses. I'm like, all right, I can have mm-hmm. one to two glasses of wine. Um, and then I'll feel still good the next day and I can go and train. I feel awake um, ability to attack my workouts, spend the six to eight hours in the gym, whatever I need to do for training. Um, yeah. And then I noticed like, all right, if I'm like, all right, on my rest days or my off days, I can have a little bit more, but then I know the next day I'd feel a little tired in the morning, maybe not as motivated, Um, And that's something that I've been able to take kind of going into business. I'm like, all right, if I have to be up early in the morning, my limit is the one to two glasses the night before. Um, And the biggest thing I've also found is time management of if fitness is a priority in your life and you want to make sure you're doing something like make sure you're carving out that time each day. I personally like to work Mm -hmm. out in the morning um, and I know if I'm like, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to get a a class in or I'm going to go train for a little while or lift. I want to make sure that I'm up. I'm making my time. I'm getting to the gym, doing my thing. And then the rest can be built with business or whatever else I need to do, um, events. But I'm with you on that.
1: That's how I am. I like to get my workouts done early in the morning and I find out, you know, if, um, I I'm well, as I was, I have it on my calendar and something comes up in the morning and it gets pushed off a little bit, it's hard for me to get back to it. So if I don't meet that
2: morning workout schedule yeah
0: definitely yeah
2: no that, that's awesome that's I love that you do that
0: the afternoon workout is a myth
2: that's wishful
1: thinking yeah yeah I, I, I do cardio in the afternoon I'll go for long walks or do the that's awesome the spin bike but um if I don't get my weights done in the morning mm.
2: yeah Yeah, it's like an extra hurdle you have to jump over Um, unless I'm meeting a friend or we're gonna like train later in the afternoon because they're only able to meet it then like all right cool I'm committed to that but if it's on my own Mm -hmm. I'm like "Mm, I'll just push it back a little bit then it's like six o'clock I'm like okay time for wine (laughs) so I'll do it yeah yeah (laughs) so (laughs) your wine is
0: not a counter to your working out then
2: no it's something that I, I definitely embody it's part of my lifestyle um and I've noticed that again like there's days where I have maybe had too many glasses of wine or I've had four glasses of wine and I'm like, all right, I feel tired or maybe a little lethargic the next day. But I know, I think over the years, I've been able to fine tune what's best for me. And so when people ask like, you know, what's the best? I'm like, you got to play around with it. Everyone's a little a little mm-hmm. bit different in your, how your body responds. But my mm-hmm. whole thing is like, I, it's a ritual, just like coffee in the morning. I love the taste. I love the smell, but it's a ritual of waking up, starting the day, getting ready. And for me at the end of the night, like I enjoy my glass or two or three, depending on the type of day it is that I mm-hmm. want to have my wine. Cause it's a ritual for me to wind down and relax and, you know, slowly close that door for work. Not that I'm not accessible or I might open an email or message, but I'm still closing that day where, <laughs> all right, let me enjoy the rest of the evening with whoever I'm with or by myself. Um, So I can still, you know, be grateful for the opportunity for another day.
1: I love that because it just makes it a little bit more realistic. Like, you know, I think I mentioned to you in an email, um, my trainer tells me, oh, you really can't drink, especially in the evening. It it screws with your metabolism and all that. But, you know, I do enjoy a glass of Mm -hmm. wine and I know that I I could fit it in even
2: with being, you know, very fitness minded. Yeah, And I think that's a great, I think it's like you said that, that more realistic, I think it's more lifestyle, like what's going to last same thing with like nutrition and diet. When I've talked to individuals, it's like, all right, I'm going to be on this really restrictive diet, but it's like, how long are you going to do that for? You know, what's the mentality around that? If you're restricting yourself to the point where you're not really enjoying yourself, how long will that continue? So finding something that works for you, you're like, all right, I enjoy it. I'm able to have a balance. I'm able to still work out and train. I still feel good. I feel look good. I look good. And I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Then that's where I think it comes down to more of that lifestyle and longevity piece.
0: Hey, one of the things I think is pretty cool that you do are um, yoga and wine nights. (laughs) Tell me about that. I think that's great. I mean, you talk about. Um, working hard and then winding down and yep. winding down.
2: <laughs>
0: How does yoga fit in for you? And tell, tell tell me about the response to the yoga and wine nights.
2: Yeah, so we've had yeah. amazing response. People love them. We, uh, we've traveled around doing yoga wine nights. And the whole same thing, like I said before, with my message is to promote the message of working hard and winding down. Um, and we found that the yoga is a huge like recovery piece. And I've noticed something I've done in my classes that I used to coach, individuals, individuals I would teach as well that yoga mobility doesn't necessarily get place at the top of the uh, totem pole sometimes. And so blending the yoga and the wine was huge because it's like, all right, let's talk about relaxing, you know, kind of calming the mind and calming the body. And I think we're definitely in a point where in society, it's always the next thing. Like I got to do more and more and more and being productive is good. And having more items on our plate can be great. But sometimes we need to stop and pause and say, hey, like, let me just be in the moment. Let me be present. And that's where I believe the yoga comes in and is very beneficial to that. Uh, and then afterwards, we talk a little bit kind of about like wine education, just having fun, talking about the wine, talking about our brand. Um, and something that I love that you guys kind of opened with was, you know, making it more enjoyable, making it more fun, where I think sometimes there's this premise where, you know, you have to be all knowledgeable and you have to know everything about the grapes and the wine and how it's made. It's like I want to break that barrier where it's like, hey, let's just talk about what you like. Like, what do you smell? What do you taste? And it's not something we're like, oh, you have to drink a certain beverage or a certain grape or a certain varietal. It can be whatever you want. Um, and just kind of making it more presentable and more um, entry level in a way where it's like, let's all be on the same page. And that's something we've we've done with the yoga wine nights and people have loved them. Um, and I would hope we've been, this year has been a little bit less because of everything that's been going on in closures and restrictions, but we're hoping as 2021 rolls around, we can do more yoga wine nights and hopefully travel to new, new places and do more.
0: Have, I thought these were Zoom, so you actually were doing them in the yeah, person. Me,
2: yeah, so these were all in person. Yeah, we've done yoga wine nights. This I've done some wine tastings over Zoom. Um, it's a little bit harder though, depending on like the internet connection or depending on where we're at. Um, so most of these have all been in person. Again, up until about 2020, where we weren't able to do much. Yeah, and
1: um, so I, I just want to go back to the um, Titan Games just for a minute and relate it to wine. So, um, how did you feel when you won? And after you won.
2: How did you celebrate what wine did you drink? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I was uh, I was definitely really excited and thrilled when I won the rest regional just to be able to, you know, finish on top of the podium. It's It's hard to win. It's hard to win consistently. And so to be as consistent as I was with all the events and all the different athletes that I competed against, it was a very good feeling, very... Very grateful feeling that I was able to win overall. And I I had actually brought some wine out there with me. So I actually got to drink the goat afterwards (laughs) and have that with some (laughs) of the other athletes and individuals that were there. So that was a really cool experience. Um, and it's, it's something that I, I always try, like I preach and it's always hard for myself to take it, but I always try to like be grateful and enjoy the moment. Cause it's always like, all right, what about the next one? I got to get ready for the next competition.
1: Yeah. Speaking of the next one, um, are you going to compete in the Titan game? Uh, I would
2: love the opportunity if they do it again, they host a, they host a third season, which I imagine they would, they had great numbers and great viewership, um, for both female and male, um, individuals. So I'm hoping to have the chance again, if they ask me, I definitely will take it. But uh, I haven't heard anything as of yet. So it was an amazing experience, and I'm so grateful for all the opportunities to be on the show and meet all the incredible people on there. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you train for that specific event? What what was your training day to day training? Yeah. So like? leading up to that, I knew I looked at the previous year, the first season, to see like what they what kind of events they had. They had. I noticed that the sledgehammer was in there a lot, so I did a lot of like kind of odd object slash sledgehammer training, um, which I, I love on objects like D balls, um, prowler pushes, sled drags. And so I try to do, try to change up my training where I was still lifting. I was still trying to do some cardio pieces where I was running or I was doing a lot of different movements and different combinations because I knew that in some sort of sense, there was going to be things I I would lift or I'd have to pull myself. And the little bit of training that I did with Ninja before that, that definitely, I still try to maintain that. And I think that came into play because I did have, have a little bit of like ninja stuff where you had to like climb up or like use your body momentum to get up an object. And I think, that, I think that was really important. And that helped me have a good base for when I did like Mount Olympus and those other obstacles.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. I just can't even imagine. <laughs> I mean, honestly, and I try to stay fit and stuff I run. But, if, you know, if someone asked me to do more than probably a single pull up and said, I'm going to, you know. I'm going to have to shoot you unless you get that pull up. <laughs> They, I'm like, just, just take, take your shot
2: because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know. Man. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> so think of the uh, stuff you're able to do. It's just so incredibly impressive. Oh,
1: thank you. It is. So, so um. Also, I I think our listeners would like to know you have a whole YouTube channel with um tons of workout videos, um CrossFit routines, and all. Um, I, I'd like to learn more about that. I um I've I've watched a few of them and I incorporated a couple of moves into my oh, routine awesome. yesterday. They kicked my thank <laughs> you <for> my butt.
2: <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. So we um we over the years we've always put some workouts on there. Um, we called them Fitness on the Go, kind of using a little bit of my last my name to play along with that. Uh, and last year, we focused a little bit more. We did a six-week challenge where we did lots of workouts. And the whole premise was, you know, people don't have the confidence to go to the gym or they're timid or they don't have a gym to go to. We wanted to make them accessible so you could do literally in your living room if you have family or kids around where you can't leave. We wanted to make them accessible as possible and convenient in terms of time frame as well. So everything would be able to be done in 20 or 30 minutes or less. Um, and I, the goal was to coach everyone through a warm-up, um, some mobility and stretching, and then a workout. And the workout could be kind of CrossFit-esque or a high-intensity. Maybe it was interval styles. But I wanted to create something where if you had dumbbells or had kettlebells, you could use it. If not, you could do body weight. But I also wanted to get people that maybe are new to fitness to kind of slowly get them start moving. So I offered a scale version on, on there as well. Um, and we're actually still continuing to do those. Um, Up into this year, we've added some lifestyle pieces kind of talking about the wine, um, some events, also sharing with where Mm. if you're in the local Vegas area where people can get the wine. So just blending the message of working hard, winding down, but wanting to continue and we will continue. We're still working on them now. We actually filmed some this morning, Um, but continue to share workouts that people can do to essentially get their health back or to focus on, you know, get back into moving um, I think health and fitness is a very huge, important aspect that sometimes gets overlooked. And I know for myself, mm-hmm. I'm a very, I'm a very giving individual, but I know that if I don't help myself and I don't get my exercise in, then I know I can't help others. And so we wanted to make sure that we put a priority on that so people can get their workouts and they have a son of a resource or a library to look at different workouts or ideas for training. Fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, Margaret, for so many people, 2020 has just a, a rotten year. And so we are all, you know, hopeful for 2021. You know, you were talking about goals earlier. What are some of the things you hope that 2021 brings for you guys? Um, do you have any set goals or, or things you want to accomplish this year? Yeah.
2: So a few things in terms of the business, I would love to like double my production and be able to increase production from 1200 cases to 2400 cases and be able to share the wine and my message with more people. I would love to be able to travel and do some more yoga and wine nights and just getting connect with people, not only in the Vegas area, California, but also other States as well. Uh, being able to travel and get to meet other people and hearing their stories. It has just, it always like brings warmth to my heart, knowing that people mm-hmm. are wanting to you know, do something for themselves, whether that's the yoga or working out. Um, but just being able to share their story of, know, what they have found or what they have struggled with, and hopefully I can help them in some form or fashion. Um, So definitely wanting to connect more as a community is a goal of mine. Um, Growing the company, being able to get into more locations, not only in the Vegas area, but also states. Um, I don't have necessarily any competitive goals at the moment. Um, I would love to be able to maybe do a full marathon or some side competitions like a powerlifting meet. Um, I know a lot of kind of competitions and things were put on hold because of last year, so I'll be... Hopefully, good to see things kind of come back into the arena, you could say, to see if things will open up so I can do something new and different on the horizon. Excellent. Well, you certainly keep a a busy
1: <laughs> a busy schedule. I mean, man, I know. So how do you how do you balance the time it takes with um, making
2: wine? And training, because the training at the level you do takes several yeah, hours. Yeah, so a I've, uh, I've had to scale back um, the monitoring. I used to train full-time about six to seven to eight hours a day. Um, and then as I focused more on the business this past two years and more on the company, I've scaled back training where it's maybe like two to three hours in the gym or maybe just an hour depending on the time I have. But like I said, I make sure that's a priority in the first thing in the morning because I know if I push it back, then it's very, very hard and challenging to get it in but time management has been huge for me. So I make sure I get my workout in the morning and then I'll make sure that I'm accessible, like sitting down at the computer for a few hours, getting in work emails. If I'm traveling for events, then making sure that I'm able to do the event or be having an hour or two at the end of the night, evening time, or maybe I'm drinking my wine, I'm winding down and then I'm either getting back to more emails or calls. Um, and it's tough because sometimes I'm not able to get everything done in the day that I want but that's where I've said, all right, I like to have a list of, all right, what did I get done today? If I didn't get done today, instead of stressing about it and causing myself anxiety to think, all right, everything I need to accomplish, I push it to the next day. Um, and just really prioritizing like what's most important for my day. So I can c- get that accomplished and then make sure that I'm able to make progress with that. And sometimes the days are more hectic than others. But any anyone out there that's struggling with that time management is huge and making sure you put a priority on the like the the first two to three items on your list is something is best for you um, and your goals or your um, mindset for the day.
0: Mm, that's good advice. Hey, for someone who, if someone hasn't tried your wine yet, what are some uh, varietals that you'd recommend to them? What would you? What's a good uh, goat
2: starter for <laughs> them? <laughs> so yeah, depending on the type of wine you like, if you like bold, hearty wines like a cab. Um, I would highly recommend the goat uh, greatest of all time. Like we talked about earlier, it is a petite Syrah Syrah Grenache blend, um, very medium tannins, but very creamy, nice, smooth texture. Um, think of like dark strawberry jammy flavors. That has been the wine we've gotten to distribution um, in Montana, Colorado here in, in uh, Nevada as well. Very definitely the most popular. Um, and then after that, our Chiersen is more of a medium bodied, medium bodied wine. Um, it's petite Syrah, Petit Bordeaux, Grenache, and Syrah. So a little bit smoother, a little bit more raspberry taste, has a little bit of pepper and spice to it. So for someone that's maybe kind of in the middle, maybe they like a little bit of Pinot Noir, they, they love blends because it's a little softer in their palate, I'd recommend that one. Um, and then Levignon is our other wine we have. It's a very light wine, very young wine. Um, it is a Zin and Karaniena blend. So it has some like tart cherries and apple flavors I usually like to actually chill that one and then drink it kind of cool and crisp. And then as it warms up and opens up, um, the flavors open up a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I would say again, like the goat is the most popular for sure. Um, and then after that cheers and then loving your own Marga, how did, how, how did you learn? To make um, so blonde? it was kind of a hands-on process. <laughs> so working with, uh, my dad and I, we would, uh, and my husband, Alex, we just went over the process t- talking about it, did some reading, um, and I think the reading aspect and learning about it is great. But for me, I'm a very visual person and the hands on per- process is huge for me. So going through it, being able to harvest the grapes and then going through some of the distemming process. I've done some hand stemming, um at the farm. That is uh, I love it because it's a lot of work. It takes forever. <laughs> but um, going through mm-hmm. it physically, I think for me, it's something that kind of playing with like, all right, what do I need to do to descend the grapes, to crush them, getting the yeast involved. And so a lot of it was kind of hands-on with my dad and in the farm and doing that for a small production. And then over the years, just being able to learn, um, read more, talk to more individuals, meet with more winemakers, um, and just be more involved with the process. And like we said earlier, like the winemaking, it's the easy part, right? It's There's a lot of interest, intricacies there, but once it's bottled, it's like, how do we sell that product? So most mm-hmm. recently, we spent a lot of time on, you know, how can we market the brand? How we can we get more exposure? Visibility is huge. And that's been a struggle because, like I said, there's a lot of other brands out there. But that's where I want to create a lot of relationships with individuals and build upon that because that's something where it's going to be long lasting to be able to build those relationships and continue forward as the brand grows and as more wine gets out there. And how does your husband Um So involved? he's been involved ever since the beginning. We would harvest the grapes. We would drive down to California together. Um, he's done a lot of kind of the behind the scenes. I'm more in front of the scenes in terms of everything we're doing with the business. A lot of the videos we've been doing production wise, um, he's been involved in that aspect. He's definitely been um, my, my right hand man, I guess you can call it. So we kind of tag team between both of us mm-hmm. with all the work that we do.
0: So nice you have each other in this this um, partnership. It's great. I have to tell you, I really like your labels, um, especially um, the Cheerston. The one Cheerston, the your sister's painting. I think that's beautiful. God, you love it. Um, it. Yeah, I do. And uh, it's the uh, her final painting is used as the label of the wine, and it's just really beautiful. The purple tree, I think, is what you called it. And then the goat, of course, (laughs) is an awesome is that's a photograph yeah, yeah so it's or an, it an image painting?
2: of the goat we um the original one we found was more of a kind of a caricature cartoon looking but it was trademarked uh-huh. so we couldn't use it but when we found this image um it actually worked out perfectly cuz it kind of looks like it's lip- licking its lips with his tongue out to the side, so I'm like, oh, maybe he was drinking a little bit of the juice or wine. <laughs> um, <laughs> <it's> great. <laughs> and then who's on the the fi- the Levin? The Levin, on. Yeah. So it's a kind of Levin-Nuron. a caricature drawing of a winemaker, kind of like with a big nose. And they talk about the nose, the aroma of the wine, with a little bit of wine glass mm-hmm. and aroma lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted some. We wanted the labels to be unique and different to kind of capture attention and tell a story. Um, and I think I feel like that's something that. A lot of people we've talked to, they're trying to base the decision on how they're going to buy wine. They're like, oh, I'll I'll buy it based off the label. Not everyone says that, but a a good handful of individuals have. And so I think it was, our important was like, all right, if we're going to grab people's attention. If they don't know our brand or they don't know me or my name, then hopefully we can grab their attention by the label um, and have a a story that we can share with each label.
0: I've always been a label person. It it is what what catches your eye at a shop or, you know, Mm -hmm. the market. Sure.
2: yeah. Um, it's
0: important. And it's fun when you give a yeah. gift of a wine to have a fun yes, label. Most definitely.
1: It, it is. And I and I think a, a fun label also conveys um that, you know, it's not so intimidating
2: for people. It's like, oh, there's a goat on the definitely wine, you know. How intimidating <laughs> exactly. does that be? Not intimidating at all. And it's funny because we've had some people tell us they're like, "Oh, I bought it as a gift because they like goats, or they have goats on their farm, or oh, yeah. oh, they greatest of all time." And and that was something like, when we originally created the label. It was a lot of people think of goat as in you know the goat of a sport, whether it's um, Tom Brady or Tiger Woods, they think of kind of sport focus, which is nothing wrong with that. Within CrossFit, a lot of people think of like Rich Froning, um, and that was great sport focus. But also, I wanted to branch out, say, "All right, you maybe there's a goat." in your life, like family member or a mentor or business partner or someone that helped guide you to where you're at now. And so that was something we wanted to Mm -hmm. kind of correlate and share with others as well. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's cool. I I like that. So,
2: okay. So your parents named you Mm -hmm. for Chateau Uh, Um, Margaux. I have not been, been. I have definitely drinking, drink some wine, but I have not been, I would love to go. um, I would love to go and visit and check out the, the vineyards and the farm over there. I've only been to France a handful of times over years for like study abroad and, and trips. But um I would love that'd be something on my my to-do list for sure. Nice. Well,
0: you have plenty of time <laughs> and I, knowing you, you will schedule it. You will get exactly. it done. <laughs> done
2: on my list. That's correct.
0: You, will, you will work out all the way on that trip and you will enjoy yourself. You'll drink the wine at the end of the day. Most definitely. <laughs> anyway, we have so enjoyed talking with you, Margo. You're just so much fun and you're inspiring. And I just love all of your message, your positive messages you. about, you know, um, you know, things that you care about, you work on and, um, but also really making time to enjoy yourself that, you know, nothing is not to take our lives for granted. And that uh, those things, your messages really resonated with me and it's been so much fun learning about your, um, your backstory. So thanks for sharing it with us.
1: Yes. And I love the message of balance and, you know, and, and the, you know, work hard, wind down. I mean, Mary B, I think we have to adapt that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm not so good at it's the work hard part. I might have, I'm want
2: to go straight <laughs> to the wine. Down. Awesome. No, yeah, sure. I love getting to talk with you both ladies. All right. You can find these All
0: wines right. for sale at the goat mm-hmm. And um, they're, they're fun wines to, uh, to give or to buy for yourself. So um, make sure you check out the
2: goatwinecom Also your YouTube videos, the, um, your workout stuff. Yeah. Um, we can, we'll have them on uh, the YouTube channel. If they just search my name, Margot Alvarez, they'll pop up there um, and I'll share them on social media as well. I kind of played off my name a little bit and did a, a three, two, one go on Instagram and Twitter. But uh it's kind of catchy, fitness related, and also um just fun to kind of play around my name. But yeah, they can check it out on there. And that's
0: 321 G A U X. Yeah, Very cool.
2: Awesome.
1: And and we'll and we'll post that on um our website on the the show page. Awesome. Yeah, let me know and I can uh,
2: share as well. i really enjoyed talking with you both. It's been so fun.
0: Thank you, yes, Margo. Thank you. Take care and good luck to you. Thank you. you. Cheers. Cheers. Sip, sip, hooray. <laughs> Well, that was so fun. Marco, what an inspiration. She is really a powerhouse. And I just love this world she's created for herself where she's combining all of her love of fitness with her love of wine and inviting people to join her there in that space.
1: You know, like you said at the beginning, she is so different from any other winemaker or winery owner that we've talked to in our past 20-something years of doing wine stories. Mm -hmm. And what I love about her is that she is such a strong woman. I mean, you know, a badass elite athlete who's able to drag over 200-pound balls with a chain. I mean, (laughs) but, you know, I think what is great about what Margot is doing is creating this lifestyle around wine and fitness at a very um, intense level, and hopefully it's bringing in, opening up wine to folks in the CrossFit community, in the, um, the folks who would watch Titan Games and other, you know, athletic competitions like that to um, consider, hey, wine could be part of my life too, and bring some more people into the wine tent that the wine industry, probably on its own, would never
0: reach Absolutely. And you know, that's what Sipsip Hooray podcast is all about, too, bringing people into the tent, the wine tent. And uh, I think our favorite things have always been the stories behind the label. So it was so fun to get to hear the story behind the goat wine label and meet Margo Alvarez. If you enjoyed this podcast, we sure hope you'll share it with your friends and invite them to listen along with you next time. We are Sipsiparaypodcast.com, and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook, as well as Twitter.
1: And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss another episode. We've got some really awesome guests coming up, but on our website, you can also check out some of our past episodes if you've missed anything. And um, if, on social media, if you share this, please tag us at Sip Sip Hooray Podcast.
0: Well, Mayor, it's been fun. Go have a wonderful day. Cheers to you, girl. Cheers to you, and work hard and wind down. <laughs> yeah, in, in in that order, not the opposite.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> if you wind down first, you won't work. There's no working hard. <laughs> right.
0: All right, Mary. Sip, sip, hooray.
1: Sip, sip, hooray.